and for worship together. Would you rather be here or would you rather be in the finest hospital in the land? Are y'all dead? It's good to see you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you for the privilege of, of coming together and of being in a place that's been set aside for worship of you. Uh, to be in a place that's been built uh, structurally for years and years, and so many have been here and gone on to be with you and left us a heritage. There are memories of weddings and baptisms and revivals and vacation Bible schools and all that kind of thing that, that remind us that you've been here and we're glad to be here today. God, we pray that you will show yourself to us and you we, we know that we're never apart from you, but there are special times in our lives in which we encounter you in a a new and alive, a meaningful way. God, may, may this be one of those days for us. We're going to open your word. Would you make it alive? Would you help us understand what is so really, really important? God, before we leave here today, may each of us be firmly convinced that our, our security, our hope, our future is in you, and it is safe. God, thank you that you've never given up on us. You've been with us. You've loved us. You call us. You shape us. Don't give up. Help us continue to grow, not just in numbers as a congregation, but in love for you and in love for each other, and Father, in service to you in our world. We are the church, the called out ones, the bride of Christ, and you've given us an assignment here that's in a wonderful place, a wonderful challenge, and uses us until that time in which we all gather around your throne to sing as we've never sung before, hallelujah, hallelujah to the Lord God Almighty. So, Father, in the meantime, help us be faithful, full of energy for the journey, loving you, loving each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Yes, Children's Church. <laughs> I'm sorry? Oh, it's time for Children's Church, and they are on their way with joy out there. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be with you, and uh, when we're here primarily on Sunday morning, it's hard to... Uh, kind of know what all is happening. So we're learning with you and enjoying the journey. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 
Today we're going to read verses 3 through 6, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. This is a marvelous part of the Word of God. Hear it with joy and gladness. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. May God add his blessing as only he can to this reading of of his word. Several years ago, I I read one of the most interesting studies I've ever read. It happened in the University of North Carolina Psychology Department. It's interesting to learn that they do something besides play basketball there. And in this experiment, they had two mice. The first mouse they put in a vial, a jar of water, and sealed it. The second mouse they put in a jar, a vial of water, but they did not seal it, and they watched what would happen. The first mouse could see no way out, so he swam for about three minutes, gave up, and drowned. I'm not sure where Peter was during all this. The second mouse could see a way out. And they watched him and he swam and he swam and he swam. He swam for three days. Well, 36 hours, not quite. Before he drowned from exhaustion. Now, what did the psychologists say they learned from that experiment? They learned that without hope, without hope, you don't survive. You've got to have hope. You don't live without hope. But some days hope can be in very short supply. Now where are you going to find your hope? What is going to give you that kind of of security? Will it be maybe in your planning? Retirement is out there. Those of us who are in it, always concerned about whether it's going to last or not, and all of that kind of thing. 
But the truth is, you really can't have enough that that can be your security. Do you remember the story the Lord gave us about the man who was doing very, very well, but he was concerned about his future? He said, I know what I need to do. I'm going to build bigger barns and more secure barns, and then I'm going to store my produce in these barns, and I will have many goods laid up for many years, and then I will be able to say to myself, Self, you're secure. You can eat, drink, and be merry. And it's interesting because in the Bible, so far as I can recall, it's the man that God called a fool. Because he said, this very night your soul is going to be required of you, and then who's going to own everything that you've stored up? Well, who is? You know, we can worry a lot about that, but uh, we can't do a whole lot about that. Where are you going to get your hope? Is it in your job? So many, many of our fellow citizens today are without work. And for some of them, they evidently are going to be without work for a very long time. Your your security has a way of being not very secure if it's bound up in what you do. Where are you going to find your hope? This is what Peter is dealing with here. And he wants us to know that we who are believers, that we who know Jesus Christ, that we who call him Lord, have a security unlike any other security anywhere. The people to whom Peter wrote, you should recall from last week, were people living under persecution. The Neronian persecution in Rome. Remember, Nero set Rome afire and blamed the Christians for it. And the Christians suffered immensely, not only in Rome, but throughout the Roman Empire. And Peter is writing to a group of aliens scattered who are suffering, suffering because of the economy, yes, but suffering primarily because of who they were in Christ, suffering because of their faith. It was dangerous, a dangerous world in which they lived to say, I am a Christian. I am a believer in Christ. Brings up an interesting proposition. What if that happened here? What if today it was illegal to be a Christian? What what if you could be arrested and tried because you were a Christian? I have a friend years ago who used to say if it were illegal 
to be a Christian and you were arrested, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And I hope there would be. But to these people who were suffering in that kind of way, Peter says, keep hope alive. Keep swimming. Don't give up. Keep looking up. Now, we're not exactly where they were, but in many ways we're not from it. Your hope is secure, Peter says, if you have been born again. Have you? Your hope is secure if you know Jesus Christ personally as your Lord and Savior. Do you? There's something that happens to us when we come and realize that that our life without Christ is leading us nowhere and that his way for us is better, and we come to him and we say, My Lord and my God. What do you get when you do that? I want you to understand that. I, I want you to rejoice in it, because you get, first of all, a living hope, a hope that is not dead, a hope that is not iffy, but a living hope. Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Without Christ, where are you going to get that? Our world is a cynical world. Some of you may remember having read of H.L. Minchin during the early part of last century, the writer, cynical writer, and he said hope, hope is a path of unbelief or a path of belief in the occurrence of the impossible. The philosopher Bertrand Russell wrote these words. Listen, the life of a man is a long march through the night, surrounded by invisible foes, tortured by weariness and pain, toward a goal that few can hope to reach and where none tarry long. One by one as they march, our comrades vanish from our sight, seized by the silent ordering of omnipotent death, Brief and powerless is man's life. On him and all his race, a slow, sure doom falls pitiless and dark. Blind to good and evil, reckless of destruction, omnipotent matter rolls on its relentless way. For man condemned to lose his dearest tomorrow himself to pass through the gate of darkness. It remains only to cherish Ere yet the blow falls, the lofty thoughts that enable his little day. Isn't that good? Man, according to his description, is hopeless. The rabbis down at the synagogue often did no better. They had what they called the Kadesh prayers. 
May they live forever in memory of our hearts. We don't remember very long if you're going to live forever in memory. I went to Dallas in the late 80s. We had uh, the world's largest Kiwanis club at a prayer breakfast. That year, they invited Roger Staubach to be the speaker at the prayer breakfast. They invited me to do the invocation. I went. Now, I'd been a hopelessly identified Dallas Cowboy fan all my life. And I got to spend the morning sitting at a table with Roger Staubach. We talked. I told him about my son. He said, what's your son's name? I said, Sammy. He reached over and got a picture of himself, and he wrote on that picture, Hi, Sammy, and he signed it, Roger Staubach. When the prayer breakfast was over, I went straight to the frame shop and had it framed. I took it home and gave it to my son that night with great pride. He looked at it, and he looked at that picture, and he looked at that name, and he looked at me and said, Who the heck is Roger Staubach? And I let him live. Fame didn't last long. And what we can give our very best to sometimes disappears far too soon. Where's your hope today? In reading this past week in the book of Job, man is of few days, not young long, growing old. Where is your hope? Peter says we're born again to a living hope. Because of what Jesus has done, including his resurrection from the dead, and it does not go away, it lives. Our hope is in him. It's a living hope. It will not die. So I say to you this morning, no matter what you brought with you or what may be going on in your life or what insecurities you have, look to him. Look to him. He is your living hope. What else do we get? Well, we get a guaranteed inheritance. Now, do you have an inheritance coming? Do you? We've been trying to do some some estate planning, trying to to make sure that what's important to us goes on beyond us. We want something left. For Howard Payne, where we met and married and where God did such a marvelous work in our life. We live on land that's been in Pet's family for over 100 years. We, we would like very much for our children to be able to keep that and want that. And so we try to make plans for that, for their inheritance. But the truth is, we don't know what's going to happen. 
We don't know if one of us might have to go in the nursing home. We, we don't know what's going to happen out there. It's an iffy kind of deal. And so you make the best plans that you can. I read about a woman in Oklahoma City who saved all her life for an inheritance. Her children died. There were only two grandchildren left. When she died, they had to pay state taxes. Uh, You know, the government has a way of always getting theirs, but there was some left. One of those granddaughters left, immediately took her part of that inheritance, developed a cocaine habit, and died from a drug overdose in a few months. Inheritances may not last. But listen to what Peter says. It's a great verse to memorize. Verse 4, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. What is your inheritance that is secure? It is God's making good on God's promise to you in Jesus Christ. Your place with Him secure, your eternal inheritance with Him forever in heaven. It is imperishable. It cannot be reached. It is undefiled. It cannot be polluted, nor can it be diluted. Inflation cannot get it. The Federal Reserve cannot get to it. The IRS doesn't know where to mail the tax statement. It is, it is imperishable, undefiled, and, and, and it will not fade away. It, it will not just go away. It is reserved in heaven for you. Can you see that? My friends, the challenge for us today is get solid hope on that. You see, COVID can't get that. Your kids can't waste that. In fact, they can't have it because you have it. They have it because they get it. God has many, many children, but God has no grandchildren. Each of us has to come to him. But, but it's ours forever, forever. And then Peter says in verse 5, that it has an impregnable shield, look, who are protected by the power of God through faith for our salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What does it say? Except that you and I, as we come to know our Lord, you and I have a God who is protecting that which he's invested to us and who is going to bring it to pass. Do you understand that? 
Nothing here can stop what is ours there. Nothing in your life right now as important and as detrimental or as good even as that may seem to be can interrupt what God has prepared for those who love Him. Paul said it like this, Eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God has prepared for those who love Him. It's shielded. It's shielded by God's power, and we're going to make it. We're going to make it. You're going to make it. It is guaranteed, not because of you, not because of your society, but because of your Lord Jesus. And then, and we'll have more to say about this next week, But when you get that new birth, you get a wonderful, strange, wonderfully strange capacity for joy. Do you remember what Peter wrote? Blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 5 in in 6, in this you greatly rejoice. In this you rejoice. Greatly rejoice. Can, can you imagine how, how that those first century Christians heard that? They knew that they might die for the sake of Jesus Christ. They knew that they might suffer a very painful death because of their service to Him. And Peter says, in this you greatly rejoice. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been destined by various trials. they, they, They come, but compared to what is out there, there's nothing. There's nothing, and so there's joy. Do you remember when, when I was a kid, I loved revival time because we, we'd sing choruses that we get to sing all the time now, but sometimes we don't sing all the old choruses. Do you remember? I've got the joy, joy, joy way down in the depths of my heart. Where? Way down in the depths. And, and do you remember the other stanzas? If the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. Man, I love that. Or even in some of our hymnals, Joy, joy. And the little line, it says the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Because joy comes in the presence of our Lord. The writer of the Hebrews, chapter 12, spoke about our Lord. And he said, Jesus, who for the joy set before him, the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. Do you know the name John Payton? You need to. John Payton was a student in England, far, far east Texas. 
he was finishing seminary. And God impressed John Payton, I want you to go to the mission field. I want you to go to the New Hebrides Islands. John Payton said, New Hebrides Islands? God, don't you know there are cannibals there? You want me to go there? Are you sure? God said, yes. So he gathered up his young bride and got on a sailing ship. Eventually that ship left him and his bride off on the New Herbides Islands. The ship sailed away and he and his wife were left there. Do you ever think about that? What would you do? I, I don't think it would be much good to put a sign up that said Sunday school and church here Sunday. How do you start? What do you do? They didn't know the language. His wife gave birth to their first child who contracted a tropical disease and died two weeks later. Two days later, his wife died. Peyton wrote in his biography, I slept on their graves for three nights to keep the natives from digging them up and eating them. Then he wrote, God, how far does love go? How far does obedience and commitment to Christ have to go? In God's providence, there was an outcast from one of the tribes who met Peyton and they became friends. The outcast native taught him some of the language. And John Peyton stayed in the New Hebrides Islands 35 years. And at the end of 35 years, he wrote, I do not know of a single native in these islands who has not made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. A living hope. A living hope. It is what is done for Jesus that lasts. It is the joy of knowing a commitment to Him that goes beyond it, death itself that gives life joy and purpose here. That's why the inheritance cannot be destroyed. And that's why there's joy. And that's why there's hope. I can think of nothing more important, church, than to fall so deeply in love with him that when we meet him, we hear those wonderful words, well done, 
good and faithful servant. Let's pray. And so, Father, thank you. I, I, I know it's not easy. Father, I know how easy it is to get our eyes on things that will not last. Things that may bring us pain now and somehow miss the joy that comes from you. In these moments, would you hear our prayer? Would you help us sense your love for us and what you're doing in our lives? And would you help us see that hope that does not fade away? Father, there may well be one here who today you want to make a very special day, the day that they come forward to say, I claim Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I I want to be obedient to Him. I I, I want to follow Him in believer's baptism, and, and I want to live for Him. God, have your way in that life. There may be a couple here whom God, you call today to become a part of this congregation, not just a name on a roll, but but a part of the body of Christ serving in this place and helping the church be the church. And Father, there are many of us who in these moments just need, as we sing, to say, Lord, you, you kind of got a sorry one when you got me, but Lord, I want to serve you more. I want to love you more. God, take my commitment to you and grow it and give me the hope that passes all understanding. So God, we invite you to have your way and we'll be glad and rejoice with you. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen and amen. We're going to sing. And as we sing, make it your commitment. Sing it to him with joy. And as we sing, you'll know when the Holy Spirit of God is tugging at your heart to do something special. That's you. I'll meet you here at the front. This is the most important offering of the day. The most important time of worship. Because it is the offering of self to God. Let's stand together. Let's sing. You come. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hand.
darkest nights You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived in the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able And I will sing of the goodness of God Thank you for being here today and for your attention to the Word of God. Uh, remember to tell others that when they feel safe and they'll have to make that decision that we are open and having live worship. We're glad for all of our friends who join us by streaming, some of whom are watching right now. But you're welcome in this place as well. Remember, remember that all of us need the encouragement, the hope that is ours in Christ. And one of the ways that comes is our coming together and what we do with and for and what God does through each other. So when you see those who may be struggling right now, give them a nice, strong elbow bump, a wonderful smile. Say, hey, you know God loves you. And let's reach out to one another. Let's be the people of God. We have meetings to follow. And uh, we're going to sing together, and then we'll go with joy to make a difference. Remember here, we're the church gathered. But as we go, we're going to be the church scattered. And as we scatter, let's scatter the love of God with all those we meet. Let's sing together, and then we'll go.